on today's episode of Gathering the Kings. Focus on the things that matter. It's the 80-20 rule where you spend 20% of your effort gets you 80% of the results. That's what it is. Stay focused on the stuff that generates income for you. Focus on the important things in your life and try not to fritter it away on other things that are just pulling you away from where you're going. Just stay focused on the important things and the things that matter. You are listening to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf, featuring fellow seven, eight, and even nine-figure business owners who have real battle scars from business and life, but have prevailed as the king that they are designed to be. We welcome high-performing entrepreneurs to the stage in order to reveal the real of the real on what it takes to build a successful business today. We dissect the good and bad decisions they've made along the way that give a true and accurate picture of the journey of success and how you too can get there. Through this dialogue, you will learn the value of growing your network and surrounding yourself with power players and kings like today's guest. Grab your pen and notebook because we're about to dive in. What's up, everybody? I'm Chaz Wolf, Gathering the Kings podcast. Today, I've got a special real estate guest, Brian Penn. Brian, how are we doing today? Doing great, Chaz. How are you doing, sir? Incredible. It's Monday. How can you not be incredible on a Monday? <laughs> I'm thankful for, for you zooming in with us here from your beautiful Colorado cabin. I'm sure you'll tell us a little bit more about that. But Brian, welcome to the King's Table, the King's Stage. Tell us what kind of business that you have. What I've done is, is just established a real estate business over the years. I started probably in 1994 and stuff after my first postdoc and realized that I had to come up with some other way of making, making a living. Because right. it's it's I'm, I'm the arcane field that I'm in is kind of igneous petrology. So I, it's 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 geology. It's kind of fun. It's really super neat. It's all this great stuff. But you know that's there's a high unemployment rate with those. And yeah. I I got involved in real estate because one day I got a flyer that basically said make money in probate, buying houses out of probate. So I started. I would took the last $5,000 that I had. And I went to Phoenix, Arizona for a four-day symposium seminar on buying houses out of probate. And it's kind of a funny thing too, is I, I got there and there were 50 people in the class. We all paid five grand to be there. So that it was back in 1995, $94. That was a sizable investment. And so I went and came back immediately went dope headfirst into the probate stuff and I got a house and got some other stuff out of that business. And then I, I moved, I was in Colorado at that time. And then I moved to Texas where probate is really hard to do because they're, it's like moving to Australia where it's just, they really are tight with telling you about stuff. But I called up all 50 of the members because they gave us a list of everybody's phone number and stuff like that. So I called up the sure. 49 other people and I was the only one that had done anything. I was the only one out of 15. That's the sad part. There were some professional seminar attendees and stuff like that. But, you know, if you can spend that amount of money, I want to, that's one of my rules is if take a course, find out what it takes to get your money back and then then see how hard that was and see if you want to do it again. Well, first off, I love that you're in real estate. Real estate's close to my heart. And and well, I'm sure we'll get into this a little bit, but off the air, we were talking about the creativity of real estate and how you can be whoever you want to be. That's right. uh, you got started in 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 this probate purchasing. So I'm sure we'll hear some more about that. But I want to know at this stage in the game. So you've been doing yeah. this for a couple of decades now. Yeah. 
this moment right here, what I want to know is, is the burning desire of Brian. Like you've been successful. You, I'm sure you've done lots of different types of real estate. Deals. Oh yeah. Uh, but, but why, what's the bigger picture now? Why are you still going? Why are you on the show? What's the bigger burning desire on the inside of you? I, I'm just hugely motivated. I don't know how to say that or anything like that. I just find it interesting and fascinating to go out and try different things and, and try to make money, try to, you know, it's a level of success and everything that, yeah. that I, I just constantly, there's a constant burning desire. My aunt said that to me. She goes like, my uncle was, was very much, I come from a history of ne'er-do-wells. It's essentially we're all criminals and type of thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just teasing. Not really, but you know, I, if you look at- They were, uh, they were, they, my, were. Yeah, they were. Now my, my great-grandfather came out to Colorado in the 1880s, 1890s, wow. and on a Conestoga wagon and the family lures, he went back with his own railroad car. He made his money selling razors to the miners. And you can still buy these razors as antiques on eBay. I bought a bunch of them oh, no. and stuff. It's really cool. And so the, the thing is, he died penniless. He had absolutely no money when he died. And then my grandfather, his son, made a fortune in mattresses, just was very, very wealthy. And he died penniless. So we had an Andy up for his funeral. And my dad, not being really much into stuff, was he just went to the dying penniless part. And I, I'm trying to avoid that. I want to have some generational wealth yeah. to give on. But what my aunt said was, because she knew my uncle was very much like this, is there's a burning desire in, in you to yeah. do stuff, to achieve stuff. I don't want to sit around, not do things. I Every day I get up and say, well, how can I push forward with this? Do I need to send out more letters? Do I need to, you know, because right now I'm doing a lot of advertising. I'm changing. You have to change with the times. Back in 2000, right. in that time frame, you could pick up a newspaper and they'll okay, People are listing their properties for sale. It doesn't happen like that anymore. You can get uh -huh. you get on Hillow and there's stuff on there. And so, and and what I try to do now is I try to gauge the market because we are entering a new phase in real estate right now that, right. that we haven't seen. I survived the 2008 to 2012 subprime stuff. And that's a lot of what my book is based on, the techniques that I used to survive that. And that was, a lot of it is don't overextend yourself. And right. so I, you know, be, keep pounding away. It's like, it's like a PhD dissertation or any big project or that old saying that says, how do you need, eat an elephant is one bite at a time. That's you right. write a PhD one sentence at a time. You write a dissertation, you write a book one sentence at a time, but you have to stay at it every day. You have to just, just stay there, be consistent and just, just get a process going and then learn a technique and then just find something that's a rinse, lather, repeat kind of thing. If you, yeah. if you want to be a wholesaler, find out what works for there. If you want to, you know, you want to do buy single family houses, then you just have to do that. And that's kind of where I've ended up is in, in a lot of keeping a lot of single family houses and just, just holding a, a certain amount, paying a certain amount off and stuff. And then moving forward to that, I'm anticipating, and that's part of the reason I wrote the book is we are about to come up to a point where there's going to be a tremendous transfer of wealth and you want to be part of that. You don't want to get left behind. And yeah. so and that's what a lot of my book is written around is, is the notion of here, figure out what your technique is, learn about what you're going to be doing as the market starts to turn. I've been yeah. calling people on different ads and stuff like that, like on Zillow and I'll call them for sale by owner. And I'm listening for when people are desperate. 
out here in Colorado Springs, people are still pouring into the city and stuff saying, oh, I'm going to make a fortune. It's like, ah, it was about five years ago, pal. We're starting to lose people coming into town to do that. But there's still a lot of people think, oh, my house is going up all this much and everything like that. And that had to be about two years ago. Whenever, I don't know if you've been following the Chinese real estate property management market at all. No. With Ever, Well, Evergrande was the largest home builder or property developer in China at that wow. point. Turned okay. out they were 320 I think billion dollars in debt. But the 2008 to 2012 market crisis cost the American economy about $6 trillion overall. Wow. Well, the Chinese real estate market, property market is, is going down the tubes. It has been for the last year and a half. And Evergrande was at the tip of the iceberg. And that, that number, their economy is it's to the tune of $60 trillion. And they're going to take the world with them. And so it's, it's, and we're starting to see that quite a bit now, and we're going to see more and more of that. It's just like, how are we going to deal with that? But this is a huge opportunity for people to step in and help other people. That's the other part of this scenario is as a real estate investor, you're helping people. And that's what I try to do. I like how you've positioned. I mean, obviously there's a little bit of, you know, emotionally charged doom and gloom, but, but to be. Uh, completely unaware of what's going on in the market or this, you know, looming thing that's going to happen because markets change and they always do. The yeah. wave always ends. And mm -hmm. so regardless of whether this is going to be the big one that takes everything down or not, because I hear a lot of, yeah. you know, real estate or just economy talk and mm -hmm. some, some it's, nope, I see it charging ahead. And some are like, nope, this is like the end, like the big end. It's all coming down. <laughs> I think, I think the reality of it is, is what you said which seems to be the message across the board which is there's a there is a transfer of wealth coming even the bible yes. talks about this you know yes. is that there's a huge wealth transfer happening and if that part of it if you're not in the game like you said mm -hmm. learning a skill set and figuring out how you can play a piece then right. then it literally just passes you by and so right. i think the the message for the listener whether they're in business or real estate isn't necessarily like be fearful tighten up and and don't make moves it's Right. Actually, relax, like drop the shoulders, yeah. learn, mm -hmm. be poised, get in the game and figure out how you can you can get your piece. Okay. Because everything actually that Brian just said, as far as like picking an area, getting an expertise, like really honing a craft, it's all applicable in business, too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what oh, I yeah. love about real estate and business is like you're talking about whether you want to be a flipper or a wholesaler or this or that. It's like, yeah. oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, over here in business, guess what? You can pick a niche and even inside of the business, you can't run the business by being the technician. You can't be in the day-to-day, -day, just like you can't be doing the technician pieces in, in a real estate business. So a lot of transferable things. Love what you're saying. I want to know of a good decision. You've been in this game for a while now. So I want to know of a good decision that you made that you can share with the listeners that we can go implement into our businesses this week. What did you do that's kind of led to a lot of what you what you have now? I would say it's it's get a good education, find a good lawyer and get a good education. I mean, you know, I mean, you can spend a lot of money, but there are also a lot of inexpensive things out there. Obviously, books. I know I work with Bill Bronchek out of Denver. He was the Colorado Association of Real Estate Investors. He has a lot of inexpensive. I mean, I'm yeah. saying two, three hundred dollars, four hundred dollars courses you can take. Yeah. Get yourself in there and find out what you can do, because it's education is the key to all of it. Learn what you can do that's legal because I've had a few people here that have done stuff. I had a, a friend of mine, 
he he somehow during the like the last 10 years he he ended up getting involved with carrying notes on houses he'd take over a note on a house and then he'd resell it to someone else well that sounds a lot like a mortgage broker and the Denver DA said that sounds like a lot an unlicensed mortgage. mortgage broker and so he went after him and this guy lost 60 properties he had 60 houses he was doing he lost all 60 of them because he wow. didn't follow the rules. So learning from good people that know real estate and, and learning the different types of real estate. And so it boils down to education. You know, you can spend a lot of money and there are some people that you can go, like there's a billionaire guy, really smart billionaire guy that charges $50,000 for a weekend with him. And some people yep. find it very, very useful. And I, I, sure. I just listen to, I listen to him on YouTube and I go, that's great. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. you know, then <laughs> You At whatever level, I, the education is the tool, right? That's and right. Tell me what you think about this. Because <clears throat> obviously, uh, you know, when it comes to education, I mean, you're the one with the PhD behind your name. I'm definitely not. So <laughs> this is an interesting conversation to be having with somebody like yourself. Yeah. However, what I feel when it comes to education isn't necessarily what we think of when we think of education. Yes, yeah. you can go to school and get a traditional from the yeah. book type of thing. But what I heard you actually just say was, there's books, courses, events, mentorship, like all of those things that are super practical and, and at different price points. That's yeah. the education that you're talking about that brings wealth. That's right. And I would also encourage the listener to, to understand what education brings. Tell me if you agree with this. This is where I know if we're, you know, if the PhD really smart guy on the other end of the mic is, is in agreement with me or not. I don't know. Education for me is is knowledge or, or the understanding of something. Okay. So whatever that is that we're studying. And for me, it brings competence. When I understand mm -hmm. something, it brings certainty yeah. to this thing, which then gives me competence. And then therefore I act in confidence. Yes. So I can go do the deal. Right. So I don't hesitate or I take action yeah. or I take risky moves, maybe even, yes. but it's based on confidence, which comes from competence, which comes from education. Would you agree? That's right. I agree with you wholeheartedly. It's really funny how people don't don't know what's right. You know, I mean, I talk to real estate agents all the time. I say, well, I'll just take over this person's note or something and that, and they'll say, well, that's not legal. And it says, well, there is no do on sale clause jail. Don't worry about that. But there are techniques you can use to do that. And, and that's how I acquired a number of properties in 2008 to 2012. People were giving me their houses because they, they had to get out and stuff like that. And I would just take over the note. I had a a funny time was there was one because I go, what happens if the if mortgage company calls you? So I had a mortgage company guy call me one time. It was hilarious. He goes, he goes, so I'm, we're trying to find this person who's on the note. And I said, well, I don't know where she is. And he goes, well, you're the trustee. I'm like, yeah, but I, I she was trying, really was a domestic abuse situation. She was just trying so hard to get away. And so she yeah. just disappeared. She Her whole thing was yeah. to disappear. And I'd been paying on this note for about 10 years. And they said, well, well, we can't have you doing that anymore because you're the trustee. And I said, okay, I'll just stop paying. And they said, okay, never mind. What's your name? Let's put you. <laughs> Let's get you added to the account here, bud. <laughs> yeah, that, that's exactly what happened. It's like, oh no, you can't do this. And then you go, oh, I'll just stop paying. And no, we don't want that. <laughs> so, yeah. and you know, have the confidence of the, like the stuff I learned from Bill Brownchick, like people like that is that yeah. they, you can go in what they want more than anything is for payment to be made.
Yeah. So that, that's kind of what I see coming up right now is we have a bunch of real interest. We have these way overpriced properties. And my rule of thumb is I don't care how much a property costs. I care about the terms. So if yeah. I can take over a note or take over a situation where they have a 2% or 3% loan and I can yep. cash flow the house, I'll yep. take it and I'll worry about it. Everything will catch up eventually. But yeah. as long as, you know, it's terms. I was just talking to a guy yesterday who was about buying his property. And I said, you know, what are your terms? What do you want to do? And the terms will, if I can cash flow this, I'm good. If I can't, that's that's when it really comes down to it. I don't Indeed. care how much you're charging, as long as it isn't like a million dollars for a, for a mobile home. Yeah, yeah, you're you're 100% right. I hope that the listener's paying attention. I want to pause you for a second because yeah. what you just said is almost everything when it comes to buying and selling real estate but also buying and selling businesses, yeah. it's terms. And then the encouragement behind that, which I think is just so great because you started off by saying, play the rules, follow the rules, you know, like uh, don't, don't deviate, which is, I, I see in you, cause I do the same. I value accuracy. Let's do it the right way. Like yeah. there's no sense in being caught later doing something funny. Like let's just do it the right way. Right. Yeah. There's value in that. But yeah. But I heard a really big but. It's not that we're not doing it the right way. There's just a lot of other right ways. Yes. Let's not be so small-minded to think that there's only one right way. Yes. We can still play by the rules. We can still grow our portfolios, businesses, or real estate by yes. being creative is really what you're saying. But even in yes. that, it's like, okay, well, look, there's some opportunity here. And uh, we can take advantage of these opportunities. But it's all about terms is the last piece that you just kind of gave us. So if you're taking notes here, you're paying attention, write down the, the the negotiation is all about the terms. In essence, what Brian is saying is, okay, so this house, for example, is overpriced at 400,000. It's really worth 325. Hey, I'll pay you 400,000. If I get the terms that I want, you know, I'll take over your note and I don't, don't have to pay any upfront. And it's that, 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 that's super yeah. easy for me just to put a tenant in cash flow and you get what you want, which is the 400,000. And it doesn't really matter to me because someone else is paying it. Like there's just a lot of... Yeah synergies that can happen in that negotiation. And none of it had to do with the price. It had everything to do with the terms and making it cash flowable or in a business profitable, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I agree hundred percent. That's a good summary of what I said. Love it, man. Well, Hey, as long as I can summarize the PhD guy, I just feel halfway <laughs> qualified here. <laughs> I want to know of a bad decision that you made, Brian, let's flip the coin. Tell us oh, something that was just like, I, you know, I ah. can tell you, I can tell you right off the bat. I had taken over this note for this property and I was transitioning jobs at that point because I was still, this has never been my full-time effort. Right. I've, I always had a job and then I would just, because then I encourage people to do it that way. Is And that really, what is your level of confidence? And I was making a six-figure income. I was, I spent my time, I got my own funding for all of my stuff. Whenever I had a job, I was essentially my own business within yep. a large DOD air, fair frame manufacturer. Used to really get the, the business development people mad because I was getting funding and they couldn't figure out why I was getting funding and they weren't. So it's kind of funny. They said, we hate you. And I said, okay. <laughs> and so, nice to know you. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, I knew, I knew that that, that would end because they're, they're not a real loving and caring group of people. And so if something went bad for me and the amount of money I was bringing in was a million or $2 million a year is, was insignificant. It wasn't even in the noise of the company I worked for. So they could easily jettison me and not feel me. So feel my loss and stuff. So I knew the day was coming when that would happen. And so I said, well, I need to get involved in real estate. And I'd started when I was, did my postdoc, but then I was, I just kept doing it over the years. 
And so it matured into that. And so when the time came, I had enough income from the real estate to, to take care of me. Part of what I say in my book is you don't have to be a huge real estate person. Just get one or two properties so that when you do retire or something like that, you have something to fall back on. Social security is not going to be enough if it exists when you retire and stuff. So have a couple of things that will bring in some money for you and, and keep you afloat. And that's what so much of it is. That's what I try to encourage people. There are other people that they'll have 800 doors or something like that. And I, and I think that's great. And it takes over, you know, that's what their, their job is. And that's really, really cool. And I, and I encourage people to find out where in that spectrum you fall, get into that, figure out what type you want to do and move forward with that. And that's probably, you know, start now because it's not going to get any, well, it will get easier as if the economy goes the direction, I think it will, it will get easier for people and just keep your pulse on the market and be willing, be ready yeah. and educated and, and to jump when the time comes. And that's really yeah. just what it's about. All that's super encouraging. <clears throat> I distracted you from your, that you're taking over this lady's oh, note. You. I'm sorry. Sorry. sorry uh, about that. Yeah. No, no, thank it's you. my fault. I, I took you, took you, I swindled you away, but we, we <laughs> got to hit, we're, we're left here on the edge. We want to know oh, what happened. I had this house and I was transitioning between jobs. And what I would do before is I would qualify for a loan, which I don't do anymore. And I had invested about, ooh, I'd taken the proceeds from a house that I sold in El Paso, Texas, and invested in this one thing. And I, I got to the end and my whole option was ending and I'd invested a huge amount, you know, 40 or 50,000 about 20 years ago into this property and I didn't think of at the time of partnering up with somebody. I should have partnered with somebody. I could have taken this this contract and flipped it to somebody else and they could have given me the money back plus some. So I, you know, I didn't have enough smarts to to do that. And that was, yeah. that cost me like 50 grand. And that's a heck of a expensive course to learn is yep. why you should have gotten together, even called a, you know, a lawyer type friend said, Hey, I need to get this financed or get a, get a short-term loan to carry me over bridge loans and stuff, or right. just get someone to invest. And that's where I had messed up tremendously. That's what I would say my biggest failure was. But I love I how enough, you position it though, as a course, as a $50,000 course. <laughs> so I just took a $50,000 course about how you should get a partner. If yeah. you're stuck for money, go out and, and it's a really good deal. They'll, they'll come in and it will, you know, if they can make money. So yeah, that was I think, bad. I think the, the mindset there, it's, it's easier in real estate nowadays, I think, but for, for the business guys listening that don't know real estate and how easy it is to collaborate. Uh, you hear in business, it's, it's difficult, like stay away from partners and you know this, that, and the other. And and maybe on a real estate transaction, it's it's maybe a, a three three year deal, and you're you're gonna hold self, you know, whatever. Or maybe it's a, a one year flip. I don't know. So it, it is maybe a little bit more transactional in certain circumstances, but yeah. the principle remains the same. That in business, you're you're closed minded when you think you've got it all, or yeah. that you you want to hold on to the whole pie. And so I think really the principle that you're dropping here for the listener is be open-minded to the things that you don't actually have in the ingredients. Yes. <laughs> don't yes. be so pompous to think that you yes. got it all. And, yes. and actually someone else probably has what you're missing and can probably do it a whole lot better than you. And you partnering up together with that person on a business or a real estate deal or a short-term or a yes. long-term transaction can be extremely powerful. Yes. Yes. And it can save your, save your butt too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, you get to the end and you go, Hey, what I should have done something, you know, and you realize that a year or so later, it's like, that was, I really should have done that. I should have reached out to people 
people around me more and said, hey, I'm kind of coming up with against something here. What do you think I should do? At least yeah. go out and seek advice from people that you consider, you know, as as mentors and things like that, or just exactly. people that are successful because they'll they'll give you ideas. And I kick myself every day. Not every day. I did at a point. I, sure. It's, yep. It's, it's honest. Yeah. yeah. Well, you said you said before we hit the record button that that you've been to, you know, I don't know how many real estate meetups for the last yeah. 25 years, but it's yeah. like, okay, or 30 years, you know, it's like you start, you start not hearing the same things over and over, but you start putting yourself in positions mm -hmm. to be able to learn the things without even having the partner, if necessary. Like you just yeah. said, sometimes it doesn't take partnering. Sometimes it just takes you educating. And that could be a course, that could be yeah. a meetup, that could be a mentor, that can be a peer to peer mastermind group for real estate or for business. That's why Gathering the Kings exists. What I'm saying to you is, or what I'm saying to the listener is what Brian is saying to you is that you have to sometimes fill the gap with other experience, other knowledge, yeah. other, you know, pieces. And don't be so naive to think that uh, that you got it all. Would you agree with yeah. that? Oh, I agree hundred percent. I mean, I give talks on, on the Spanish peaks, which is my field area down in Southern Colorado. And part of it is I, I always, people go, oh, you know all this stuff. And I don't really know anything. It's just fun. It's like you get a bachelor's degree. You think you know everything. You get a master's right. degree. You realize you don't know everything. And you get a PhD, you realize you don't know anything at all, but it's okay because neither does anyone else. I, <laughs> I think so, that has got to be the, one of the best descriptions. And only you as a PhD can actually say that because it would sound odd for someone like myself who doesn't have a PhD to say that. But I would say the same thing for money. I would say that mm -hmm. the more money I've made, I realize that the more money I don't have, mm -hmm. right? And 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 the more wealth that I generate, the real I realize how far it's really not going to go. Uh, you talk yeah. about legacy, leaving something for your family, which your yeah. you know dad and grandfather and great grandfather weren't able to do. I mean, if I'm actually trying to set up the next three generations, there's a certain number that goes along with that. And I had a podcast yeah. guest probably I don't know nine ten months ago. And he was like, I have, I, I'm, I'm preparing for four generations. I have all yeah. the documents. I've worked with attorneys and, and CPAs. We know the number. And like, yeah. that's why he's like pressing so hard in his business is because he knows the exact number to take care of four generations. It's like, okay, oh, wow. well, there's a real number to that. It's wow. not just like, Hey, let's just go and leave something. It's like, depending upon what this target is, there's a yeah. real number to this. Yes. And, and that's okay. Because you realize along the way, just like with education that, <laughs> The more you know, the actually no, no, yeah. it's yeah. I don't know anything. Or in this case, with money, it's the more money I've made, I'm gonna realize, well, that's really not gonna go very far. I should probably double down. You know what I mean? Yes, yes. Buy buy real estate. That'll go for generations. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> I have friends, I have friends here in Southern Colorado. They bought up the their family bought up essentially a whole town of Trinidad or owned a huge piece of Trinidad, and they're just living off of that. They're three or four generations down the road and. Yeah. You know, they, there was a hundred years ago that they, his family came from Italy over to, over to Trinidad, which is a big coal mining. Cause a lot of the coal miners were from Italy. Then they end up buying a bunch of the downtown. They still own it, but it's like, well, neither of the two guys left have children. So it's going to go somewhere else, but it's kept them sustained essentially their whole lives. And yeah. stuff. And so they've been very, and I'm trying to think they just helped out with their money and stuff and spread it around and just, just shared their wealth at that point. So it was really nice. Yeah. So then maybe that's what you get down to. It's, it's encouraging to know that immigrants came and had nothing, I'm sure, yeah. especially if they're coal miners back, you know, a hundred plus years ago. 
And what that should do is it should transfer courage right now, because even though the person listening right now might be first generation wealth like me, right? Yeah. Like you, it sounds like, yeah. even though you had wealth in the generations before, <laughs> none of it was passed on. So it's like, okay, well, I had to reestablish and I had to go get it myself. Yeah. Okay, fine. Yeah. That may be the listener right now. It's not too late to create generational wealth at whatever exactly. age. Exactly. Um, that's a great example of yeah. somebody coming over, having probably just really like a hope for just something more, not really a definite aim, <laughs> no real, yeah. like, we're going to be super wealthy with real estate. Like they just were looking for a better life, you know? Yes. And that's what so much of it is. And that's why people came here and stuff. And so it's, it's really, really an interesting thing to watch the generational stuff happen. And you've watched to see what people did in the past. And there's so much of it that you can just hard work, dedication and getting your foot in the door and then seeing what works, find out some, find a small niche, find a small circle of things that you can do and then just keep doing it. Re, you know, yeah. rinse, lather, repeat. And that's, you know, kind of the thing is, is this, can you find something that's going to help someone? And if you can make a little money on it, that's good. And then and just create a cycle there and just, yeah. just work forward with that and just keep doing it. Do what works for yeah. you and works with your personality. That's so much of it is. Yeah. I, I held an in-person event at my house this past weekend. We had some entrepreneurs here. And one of the examples that was given, the, one of the leadership team members of, of my team, Gavin the Kings, he has uh -huh. a good friend that had a multiple eight-figure exit in a trash company. Oh, and wow. and <laughs> he was coming close to the end of his contract, his non-compete. And my my team member was asking his buddy, what, what are you going to go do? You know, like you're like, you, you yeah. go do whatever. He's like, yeah. what do you mean, what am I going to do? I'm going to go own a, I'm going to go start a trash company. He's like, why? I already know how to build and exit out yeah. of a trash company. Why would I do anything else and take the yeah. time to relearn it and, and uh, that, 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 all the stuff? Everything that Brian's telling you is exactly what happened in that example of the trash guy. It's like, hit, hit the thing that you know, create a process, do it over and over until you become successful. And in that case, he sold it and still waited to do it again. The same, yeah. hit the cycle, yeah. hit the cycle. I met a guy that, that started accounting firms like that. He would start an accounting firm and then he'd build it up and then he sold it. And then he'd start another one, build it up and sell it. And that's, he was just really good at that. And so yeah. that's, that's how he generated. Of course, yeah, he, he did some things that were wrong and he shared those with me. <laughs> I won't share that with you, but yeah. you know. You know, there's, there's, there's always opportunities along our journey to do things the right way. As, we, as we've discussed, Hey, Chaz Wolf here. As many of you know, I have been on an absolute mission to help entrepreneurs from all across the country in many different industries, level up their game and grow their business and intentionally connect with other entrepreneurs. We do that obviously through the podcast, but we also have a peer to peer mastermind group specifically for seven to nine figure business owners. We are bringing some of the best and most successful entrepreneurs and minds together in a regular and a super intentional way to not only grow our network, but to be able to leverage. And at a certain point in business, success becomes about leverage, leveraging time, leveraging resources, leveraging key relationships. This is exactly what we're doing inside of the peer-to-peer -peer mastermind group called Gathering the Kings, specifically for seven to nine figure business owners. So if that's you, if you're ready to level up your seven to nine figure business, even to the next level and get around other big hitters, just like you, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com, fill out a short application and uh, it'll come to an application uh, call with me. And I want to chat with you to see if it might be a good fit. Talk soon.
Yeah. I want to know inside of my speed round here, Brian, my first question is around KPIs. And so I want to know yeah. what's the most important thing that you track in your real estate business. If you could only pick one thing to track forever mm -hmm. and ever, what would it be? I track the cash flow. I look at the cash flow. I look and see what's going to, you know, as long as I've got this cash flow, minimum cash flow coming in, I'm good. You know, and so it's like right now in Colorado and, and probably everywhere, they're they're reevaluating properties. Properties have gone up two or three hundred percent. And so the property taxes are going up two or three hundred percent. So I'm like, okay, I am now going to have to, and I've talked to a bunch of the tenants and they said, look, I had enough of a buffer there between what you're paying and what I'm paying to to keep some numbers that you know that I want to have. And now that the property taxes are going to just been reevaluated, they're going to go up. And I said, I'm just going to pass that on to you. I said, by the way, your rent is going up because they're raising my rent or they're raising my insurance or whatever. And the insurance will go up too as the valuations go up. So, you know, it's like you've got to, you just have to track that, stay on top of that. I, I yeah. look at stuff on a monthly basis and I use some various metrics, but I just kind of say, well, what's the cash flow doing here? And am I, am I meeting what I need for myself? But, yeah. you know, I want enough of a buffer there. So I would say that's just keeping track of the cash flow is really important. Return on investment, that could be one way to put it, but just yeah. what's, what's the amount of cash flow I need to maintain the business? You can't pay your tenant to live in your property. <laughs> Apparently not. Although I think I mean uh, I guess Governor, you could. You could. Governor Polis, Governor Polis thinks that's a good idea. Although he never yeah. shares his eight hundred million dollars with me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know, in commercial real estate, because obviously I own some franchises and and have been in the lease space for a long time. But yeah, you know, they're quite frank about it. Not only are you going to pay the rent. Uh, you're going to pay all the insurance. You're going to pay all of the uh, property maintenance. Yeah. You're like. Literally, the commercial real estate owner pays nothing. The, and yeah. It's all covered by the taxes, and it's all broken down right there on my lease. Here's my rent, yeah. and here's all of his expenses yeah. <laughs> or her expenses. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing that a lot here. Like We're in a place called Woodland Park, and I'm seeing a lot of people moving out to smaller things because the rents are going up so fast. A lot of coffee shops, pizza places, and stuff like that. And they're just like, well, we can't afford here anymore. So they're moving around. And so we're seeing a big increase from a commercial side of rent increases because I would say the property taxes are going up, the insurances are going up, and they're not as competitive as they used to be for people that are starting a business. So that's what you have to look at. But because like I said, I'm seeing a number of businesses that are in these large, you know, what I consider commercial buildings, strip malls and stuff like that, that are exiting because of that. And you can't fault the property owner. They're trying to get their return on investment and stuff like that. So but yeah, that, what exactly. you're saying is 100% correct. Yeah, it's a big game. That's for sure. But it just depends on what end of the game you're playing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I want to know about a business resource or a real estate resource, book, podcast, event, name. What 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 has been helpful to you that you can share with us that we can go digest and get some education? Uh, the stuff that I've, I would just say, just being involved with different real estate investment clubs, as many as you can. And they like here in, like in Colorado Springs, there's one like the one Brent Bowers set up and he's kind of moved to Florida, but a couple other people are carrying it on and you go there and it's, they, they all have sort of a different sort of flavor. Like that one is more like they have a monthly meeting and they're, they're not selling anything. And so, yeah. but it's just going to get together with people and just keep the communication going with different investors. And then there's another one called, I think, i Investment Community, the Rockies. And you go there and it's a smaller group, but they're they're always selling you something. They always have a course, and every meeting is a selling a course, and that can be useful too. 
And so then there's, so just plug into different groups and, and just stay, stay in touch. I, my website, which is real estate success, the number four and the letter U, I put all the stuff about what's happening in the Colorado Springs market. I put on, I put on there what's happening in the state legislature, because that's, we're seeing a lot of pushback on, on real estate investors from the state legislature. They're putting these different laws in place. And I've had tenants come back and say, oh, no, you have to give me 60 days to do this or that according to the state. And, but unfortunately, I have on my website, I said, oh, you're talking about the CRS Colorado Revised Statute 3812-701. And it actually isn't what you think it is. It's not like I got to give you 60 days. It, it says there's got to be 60 days before I can raise your rent. And they said, well, but you left at that part where it's only if you don't have a lease. And these I have leases with everyone. And I said, I, I'll give you 60 days, but I don't, I don't have to legally do that. So I try to provide that information. This last year has been horrendous for Colorado in terms of the different legislative agenda or bills that have been passed. And so it's they're really causing a, a lot of trouble for certain real estate investors and stuff. And yeah. so what I try to do is on my side is I say, okay, here's here's this part that Colorado is doing, or here's what's happening in the world. Cause I'll blog, like I told you about the Evergrande yeah. collapse of $320 billion property management company in China that collapsed right. and caused world implications around the world, that type of thing. So those are the kind of things that I would say to do kind of stuff. Yeah, I'm like hearing that. you say, not only educate yourself with, with courses and events and meetups, but also be a conduit of education. Yeah. Which is really king mindset. It's well, I, I'm not going to just gather it for myself. I'm gonna I'm gonna help those that are around me, whether it be via a website and a blog, or whether it be a podcast. Mm -hmm. There's there are ways for us to be able to take what we've learned and grown and and been successful yeah. with, and to be able to give it away. So yeah. I just so appreciate that. I think we should pass that along to the listener as well. Yeah. So um, I got a question for you about family, Brian. No. I'm a huge believer of work life obsession, not balance. <laughs> and for me. It is a matter of being obsessed with my family just as much as it is my business. Because that's what's made me yeah. successful in business and real estate. Yes. And so give us some examples along the way where you've been obsessed with your family as much as your business. Well, it's one of those funny things. I, I get a kind of an interesting taint on that because people go, well, you have all your kids and, and my kids are pretty much all grown. They're, they're in their 30s and, and late 20s and stuff like that. And I never went through a period where they they actually still say they love me and they still like me. And I, and they go, well, you raised these kids. How did you do that? And I say, I don't really know. I don't <laughs> really know how I did that. You know, and part of it is to be genuine, be a parent. Yeah. And, and it sounds like you have a biblical understanding of what being a parent is about. And it's not about being their friend. It's not about anything like that. It's making the hard decisions when the time comes to help them. Because if you're a buddy with your child, well, I, you can't be a buddy with your child. You have to do that. And then when they're 25 or 30, they'll say, hey, you're a lot smarter than I thought you were when I was growing up. And, and they'll, they'll, they'll be one of your best friends because you helped yeah. them, you guided them along the way. And so I don't, it. It, it's not done on a big scale. Nothing's done on a big scale. It's done moment to moment. So you good. Do, and and, it, and it's, it's a reflection of your personality and your values and how you value them. You go to their games and, or you do stuff 
like that. And I was like my daughter who she actually was, she ran cross country for Western State. She was on, she was, she ran varsity the whole four years she was there. They were national champions a couple of times. And so she was really good at that. And I knew her in high school, she was running in high school and stuff. And so so she, she, my, I come from a family of runners. We've all been distance runners. My brother and I were distance runners and we were, we were pretty good at, at what we did. And so like my brother, his first marathon at the time when he ran it was like the fastest first time of marathon by an American at like 217, wow. he ran a sports marathon at 217 and people don't mar know marathons. Wow. That's actually a pretty good time. And so not compared to now, they're five minutes or 10 minutes faster, but it's it, at the time and stuff like that. And so my daughter yeah. was, she came up to me one time. She goes, you know, dad, I really like basketball. I really want to do baskets, some basketball and stuff like that. Championship team. And then, I, but what I ended up saying was go try basketball, go ahead. Because I didn't want her to get through high school and college and go, hey, I really like basketball. My dad held me back from being a basketball player. She went on the team. Here she was. She was third string on the basketball team. And she goes, I don't really like this. And so, <laughs> but, but the good thing about it, I wanted her to take the time yeah. to, to learn something else, try something else. Maybe you'll like it better than doing all this running stuff. It's crazy, you know, and yeah. stuff. And so she was able to, so true. she goes, well, dad, I was just so thankful that you didn't give me a difficult time to, you know, here I was running and I was pretty good at this running stuff, but you said, go try the basketball, do it. Yeah. And so she's been very grateful for that and stuff. Yeah. And that's, that's what I try to do with, with my kids was it's, it's a moment by moment thing. You, you, you laugh with them. I mean, I, I've been on different podcasts where they'll say, who would you like to have dinner with? Who would, what, and I thought, oh, George Washington or something like right. that. I get a kick out of that. Like, yeah. And, and what I realized is my answer should have been, when it had been a number of times, is I want to have dinner with my family because they're the people I laugh with. And George Washington might think I'm a jerk, by the way. <laughs> or I Maybe. might think he's a jerk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the, the perspective there, or, or really just, I think poise is what I'm gathering. Just a healthy perspective, I think is really help, good for us to hear as entrepreneurs listening to you. And it's real. I had a, I had a podcast guest, I don't know, a couple, two, three weeks ago. I actually think his, I think he just came out today. Regardless, he said, execute on the cliche. Hmm. Everything that you just said, this moment by moment, laughing at the dinner table, like that's what it means to be obsessed with your family. It's the every single night without a fail, unless I'm not here, I'm yeah. downstairs at yeah. 6.30 every single night. And we have a whole evening routine. We read the Bible together. We pray. We get ready for yeah. bed. They have affirmations on the board that I created with them. They read them. They look themselves in the mirror. Like we do this thing every single night, yeah. so much so to where it's like, if we didn't do it, it would be odd it would be weird yeah. and so we built in these structures inside of our own family that are the moments by moments executing on the cliche because you can just say be with your family turn your phone off you can say all these cliche things and they mean something unless uh, unless you don't go execute right yeah implement just do it every day it's out that's what it's all about you know just to make sure that you know and i do this still with all my kids is every time i hang up from them i tell them i'm proud of them and i tell them i love them yeah i like that like that. I have even noticed at, you know, nine, seven, four and 11 months, maybe not quite with the 11 month old, but with the other three, when I say, yeah, I'm, I'm really proud of you or yeah. 
you know, I love you or, or, you know, I, I'm excited for you, whatever the emotion is that I'm expressing towards them in that moment, like you're describing, yeah. even at a young age, it's, you can, you, you can watch their whole countenance change, especially coming from, you know, their hero, mom, dad, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. So I think that's so powerful. Brian, I have one last question here for you, brother. You ready? Oh, cool. Yes. I want you to, I want you to tell me if you could reach back into time and whisper into the younger Brian's ear, what would you tell him? Run the mile. <laughs> run the mile. No one cares no about any other stuff. stuff. <laughs> Do the mile. They care about the mile, the marathon, and hundred meters. If you can't, and, and that That's sounds, funny. but just, just, you know, it's, I have a positive attitude about stuff and that's just permeated everything. I'm willing to take a risk because I think that something positive is going to come out of it. And I just, right. but as, as I jokingly say that, it's like, you just run the mile because nobody cares about the two mile or the 5,000 or anything like that. They want to know how fast you can run a mile. So that, and I'm probably out of, out of the thing, but focus on the things that matter. Focus yeah. on, it's like the Pareto principle. It's the 80, 20 rule where you spend right. 20% of your effort gets you 80% of the results. That's what it is. Stay focused on the stuff that generates, generates income for you. Focus on the important things in your life and try not to fritter it away on other things that are just pulling you away from where you're going. And so maybe that's yeah. just stay focused on the important things and the things that matter. Well, if, if you're not paying attention and that didn't like just hit you straight through the, through the eyeballs there, then I don't know what to tell you, good listener, because Brian just gave it to you super straight from a sage, you know, somebody who's been doing this for decades and has been successful and has graced us with just the knowledge and value here today. I want to thank you for being here and giving us all that knowledge and, and opportunity to learn from you. How can we continue the relationship with you if we wanted to? Number one, uh, if we wanted to do a deal with you or get to know you better in a real estate space, or maybe even have you yeah. mentor us, or if I'm just an entrepreneur and I want to get to know you better, how can I yeah. find you? Well, like I said, it's on my, my website, which is real estate success, the number four and the letter U.com. And it has my book It has links to my course and just all the stuff, how to contact me, kind of put, try to coalesce everything I understand about Colorado real estate state and all the stuff here that tools you could you can use and need perhaps need to get involved in real estate and just you know just find out what's happening in the world what's happening in the state legislature so what's some of the best things you can do to move forward and that's really Love what it. i try to help people with is find helping you find a niche and so it's basically all at my my website even my personal phone numbers on there as scary as that is <laughs> scary i have found as you mentioned earlier is what typically gets us what we're looking for. Even though we might be a little scared, we take the action yeah. anyway. What'd you say is as long as you're 10% scared. So I appreciate yeah. appreciate the information that you've given it to us here today. We wish you nothing but blessing on your family and your business, all your properties. Thank you for being here with Thank us, you. Brian. Thank you so much, Chaz. This has been fantastic.